Beer Radio. This is Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And today we're doing something that, depending on how you define it, but probably not, is not really beer. It's mead. Yes, well, we have uh, three meads tonight from the Rabbit's Foot Meadery. These guys are in Sunnyvale, California. Uh, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, Sil- Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley is down in near LA, <laughs> right? Uh, Silicon Valley, and um, this place is actually just a couple miles from uh, my company headquarters. And I had a coworker from uh, out there send me this. He actually he's a Philadelphia, transplanted Philadelphian, and he bet me last year a beer trade about the Flyers and Penguins in the playoffs, and he lost. <laughs> I see. He didn't make any bets this year. Hmm. So we're going to start with the sweet mead. Now, uh, so, what is mead, you may ask? Mead's uh, honey wine. Yep, it's fermentables come from honey. It's probably the first fermented beverage. Um, I've read stories where you know people have found you know trees with bees, beehives in them, and the honey, and it started yeast got in there and it started the ferment, and they they drink it and it doesn't taste like honey anymore. It tastes like mead. And, you know, after the first person tasted that, they decided to, you know, make their own. Mm-hmm. So meads can come in uh, two different ways. They can be still or they can be sparkling, like wines. So you, right. you can have carbonated wines, which was champagne, or, you know, or sparkling wine. Depends on where it comes from. And you can have still wines. And meads are the same way. This first one appears to be a still mead. They're all still meads because... The um, none of the bottles are caged, which means there's no pressure in them mm-hmm. to push the corks out. This is uh, Rabbit Foot's Meadery Sweet Mead. Well, that smells good. It's, there's a sweetness to it. Um, how, how did we describe this? There's a slight minty at the in the aroma. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, kind of like a lemony spearmint or something like that. I'm something sure. along those lines. I mean, it's sort of a wildflower. Oh yeah, aroma. I'm also getting, um, oh, it's this nice little, I'm trying to think, like there's something that I've had, um, confectioner's sugar, like if you get some of the candy, like those, um, oh, what are those called, Necco wafers and the dust that's around them, (laughs) I'm getting some of that in the aroma. And a lot of alcohol too. It's twelve percent alcohol, and you can really you can really smell it coming off of there. So so this beer is uh, mead mead. It's it's a golden yellow. Um, pretty clear. I got get some. I guess yeah, sparkly stuff in there. Yes. I is guess that that's yeast maybe or is that, that bubbles from? That may be yeast or, or that may be uh, sugars that are still you know sugar crystals or something like that. It shouldn't be sugar crystals. I mean, you can see why this is closer to wine than it is to beer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the bitterness notes that, that beer has. Most beers have. It really gives you an upfront sweetness. Not, you know, the nice thing about good meads is that they're not cloying. You know, you, if you honey can be pretty cloying if you overdo it. Yeah, some meads can be. Um, this one is it's kind of medium, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it has a dry-ish finish, but it's, it's called a sweet mead, and there's Plenty of residual sugars in there. Mm-hmm. It's um, almost tastes a little bit like. Um, oh, I see why I said that. I said that just because I read it off the website. I didn't, didn't even What's notice that? it. I was going to say a little bit like jasmine rice. Okay, but I see fragrant jasmine was right there on the website, so I probably just okay saw it in the corner of my eye. But no, you're right. I mean, I was trying to get into some of these flavors because I was like, 
okay, so, you know, this is sweet flavor. So I start with a simple sugar, you know, just a, a neutral sweet, you know, syrup. And then um, what goes into it? And, you know, you beat me to it. But, yeah, jasmine is a character that's in here. Is it spiced with jasmine or is that just something that came from the fermentation? Uh, full of floral aromas and fragrant jasmine and a wonderful lingering sweetness. Our sweet mead makes a, gr- a unique wedding gift, they say. There's your marketing three. On the bottle, they say it has hints of vanilla and spice. I guess you, uh, yeah, I, vanilla I, I can it. detect that. I mean, now that you say that, I can definitely taste that there. So we're taking uh, near the end, you know, the sort of aftertaste is where yeah. that comes through. Yeah, we're taking some cues from websites and labels because while our beer vo- our vocabularies are pretty honed for beer, this is slightly different language, mm-hmm. and it's harder to to come up with what the flavors are because. How often do we say a beer has jasmine flavors? You know, not very, not often. very often. So we have to go outside our normal vocabulary to, to describe these. Now, Rabbit Food Beatery does make a few beers. Uh, yeah? Yes, they do. Let me take a look and see what they have here. They have a, a beer de meal, which is a, a Braggot style. I'm not really familiar with the Braggot style. Yeah, uh, Braggot is half beer, half mead. They have uh, Diabol, which is a Belgian strong pale ale. Oh. And Honey Red, an Irish red ale. Wow, I didn't know they made beers at all. I know the next time I'm out in Sunnyvale, I'll have to give them a closer look. I haven't been out there since I realized they were so close to work. Now, why are we doing meads? Well, because we, they've been in the fridge they've for been a year. They've been in the fridge for a year, but. And it's, it's okay because mead stays. Oh, yeah, it'll age for, for a it'll long time. Age for a long time and won't have, have a problem. But it also is because. We're thinking about doing a series of shows, kind of a basic shows about beer, just uh, introductions to beer, what beer is, here are specific uh, specific styles, sort of a, a maybe a one or two episode course for people, I guess, who don't know yeah, anything. Greg about just beer. hit me up with this idea. I haven't let it sink in. We'll we'll see how much work it's going to take to put together a good show. But the question was. Because we proposed this a while ago, and the question I asked Jeff a while ago, or I wrote up something a little bit about what beer is, and Jeff sent me back a reply that said no to what I wrote. Beer has to have hops in it. Uh, What I wrote was beer is any – I forget exactly what I wrote, but it had long lines of any – it was a liquid, a starch – Liquid that was fermented with yeast. Something along those lines. Okay. I, I don't remember exactly what you said. I don't remember my answer. Um, I very well could have said it. And when you phrased the question again today, I saw it in a different light. And I would still argue my initial point for certain contexts where... Today, the modern definition of beer, beer has hops. But if you say beer has hops, then you can no longer say beer is the oldest drink in the world, which is what people have been saying for a long time. I mean, hops were first described in the ninth century, is when we oh, first have but, um, um, yeah, but the used. right, but the the you got the the modern definition, which stops at the t- point in time before they discovered hops as a spicing agent. Before that, my definition of beer would be looser, and I would say it, it has – it's a fermented beverage where the sugars come from grain. 
and it's not distilled because and then you right. get the it's not it, ex- exactly it's a fer- fermented by yeast that's what i think it's fermented by yeast the sugars come from some sort of starch would be right. what i would say and that would take mead out of the equation honey it would take wine out of the equation insiders uh, because that you know, insiders because they use sugars directly from the fruits it would put sake in the beer category uh, it would put gruits in the beer category right i think gruits typically fall in the the um gruits are beers that are they don't have hops in them they they use uh, other herbs right right yeah when you start talking about um some of these drinks from antiquity uh gruits and things like that i feel they fall into the title of beer at least uh, historians term of beer looking back because they say beer goes back to the Sumerians because like you said starch converted to sugars and that's where the fermentables come from mm-hmm. and Sumeria is really where that started and uh, sure it didn't taste like the beer that we're used to because they didn't have hops but I think it still counts as beer and then today when you're categorizing modern drinks beer I shouldn't say always have, shouldn't always, I was going to say always has hops, but, you know, there's the the heather ale and stuff like that, which I still call beer. Mm-hmm. But beer fits a sort of a narrower... But that's kind of, uh, that's a hanger on. You know what, well, you know what influenced a lot of this is the Reinheitsgebot. And that, you know, deserves to be talked about. The, the oldest, uh, the, is it the oldest modern food law that we know of i mean i think there were some back in like the babylonian days i'm not not versed on it and you know kosher is a food law right right so. but i'm saying modern or you know at least a governmental food law yeah i don't know uh and this was the run has said the beer could be only water uh barley and hops hops that's it and there were a whole bunch of reasons, political reasons, essentially. They wanted to keep the rye and other uh, other grains for the bread makers. Mm-hmm. And, but this has become sort of a, a language and a concept that people use now in breweries even today. Breweries are very proud of the fact that they remain Reinheitsgebot. We should, before we go too far, we should say they didn't have yeast in the original Reinheitsgebot they because didn't know they didn't know about, about it at the time. They had to wait for Pasteur to come along. They added ye- they added yeast when they found out about it, and now I it, it's, it was repealed in eighty seven, as I understand it nineteen eighty seven. Oh yeah, uh, even though before then they were, you know brewers were still were putting like wheat in there, and still claiming it was. Oh yeah, I mean there's the the the, the vice beers right right, and uh, and, and some still claim to be Reinheitsgebot even though they use wheat. The reason I, I bring out the Reinheitsgebot is because. It like I said, it still has effect today, and there are still breweries that are very proud of the fact that they maintain themselves as the Reinheitsgebot. And I take somewhat of a different approach to that. I think it's, and I agree with uh, something I read, but that Sam Claragione said. You know, Sam makes all these incredible beers for Dogfish Head. Some are great, some are you know okay, but just he's always working on something crazy, mm-hmm. right. and you know he says. Why should we be bound by this thing from 500 years ago when beer's been around for thousands of years and there are thousands of different ingredients we can use? Why should we be bound by this particular law? 
No, There's no good a, reason. It's it's a great point of view. Um, when I was in tenth grade, I had world world cultures class, and the teacher was crazy lunatic teacher, uh, not a very good teacher. But and there was this one thing he had these he had two slogans, and one of them was "Tradition is the tether and peg of fools." And uh, we never got it at the time, but it's one of those things where this crazy guy, I got one thing out of the class, <laughs> and it turned out to be pretty pretty ponderous. Mm-hmm. Uh, tether and peg, you stick to tradition, you're keeping yourself where your parents were, your grandparents were, you're not exploring new things, you're not opening your mind to new things. And, or old things. I mean, yeah. look at look at what uh, Sam did with Midas Touch, for instance, which, I mean, there's been some modern improvements to that to that beer but the basic recipe is taken from a chemical analysis of stuff in in a tomb in egypt right pop let's go into the next one while we're talking about sam here and this is the apple sizer sizers are honey and cider mixed together so this is more or less 50 percent apple juice 50 percent honey we don't know exactly unless greg finds the Information on the this website. is the first commercially available apple and honey mead in the world. Crisp and clean, they say. A refreshing alternative to white wines. It's the winner of the 2007 International Mead Festival Silver and winner of 2007 California State Fair Silver. I poured more than I thought I poured. I will deal with it. This one pours a lighter yellow. It looks... Um, I guess with the apple juice, it ferments out You know, a lighter color. It looks more watery, but there's still a little bit of yellow to it. It certainly doesn't smell as sweet. There's um, something of, of a... I would characterize it as a slightly more sulfury note than the sweeter one. Yeah, there's a there's an apple cider, apple jack type aroma in there, but there's more going on. I'm trying to dig them out. There's this... This is a hard one for us, like we said, because yeah. these are very different aromas and flavors. There's this woody type smell. It's not cinnamon, but it's like some other like bark, spice, something or another. It's I can see where you're getting cinnamon from. Ooh, there! I just rolled it up some, and I got a bunch of sulfur. It's really sulfury. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way. No. Not it's, like it's, rotten egg. It's potent. I mean, no, it's not as bad as rotten egg, but it is a sulfur that we've smelled in off beers right. before. I'm not saying that the mead's off. I'm just saying. I think a, that's just something that you, you get when you get cooked apples. I mean, cooked apples have something of a. They aren't right. necessarily so sweet. And these, while these aren't cooked, I mean, they're certain. Well, to a certain extent, they are. Right. Uh, and. Um, I think you get some of those flavors when you cook the sugars. A lot thinner in the body on this one. A lot drier. Those taste a little bit like apple juice. I mean, there's a apple flavor, a significant apple flavor to it. But there's also a, a really um, a, a wineish taste. You know, a real kind of white wineish taste to it too. I, I think so. I have this um, apple juice for Allison. It's a low sugar apple juice for babies, and. Um, Really, it tastes a lot very similar to this. This has a... <laughs> Would she know the difference? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to find out. This has an interesting aftertaste. It gets more complex. And there's that wood thing again. That It's not oaky. It's not like a barrel or anything. It's just like sawdust. Like That sounds bad. 
But like when you're woodworking and you just get that smell and flavor of wood in your mouth from and I'm getting a little bit of that in this beer. I can't really place it though. We were talking about Dogfish Head and I wanted to bring a Midas touch, which was from an old I think Middle Eastern somewhere, uh chemical analysis of Yeah, it was of, a tomb they found oh, I'm drawing a blank right now in the uh, civilization was it uh, We're not quite sure. We'll <laughs> Persian, maybe? I can't remember. But it was a place where, you know, it could have been King Midas's, um, you know, party, but odds are it was some other royal around the same time frame. The way this worked is the, the University of Pennsylvania, I forget the fellow's name there, is a professor there who studies, you know, er, uh, old pots and earthenware and things like that. And they've been doing spectral, spectral analysis of the residue, what was in there. And they've been working with Dogfish Head to analyze the results and try to brew what they think they were drinking in there and i asked sam I, you, you know you make a beer you've got to make something that's drinkable and my question to him was how close is your final output to what the data said from these this analysis and he said well the the data really only tells you if something was in there or not you couldn't really get the proportions of what it was mm-hmm. so they took the ingredients that they knew was in there and made the best drink they could with those ingredients. And, you know, you're assuming ancient people had nothing to do but look at the stars and whatnot, so they had a lot of time to perfect their craft. So they might have brewed, you know, the best thing they could come up with, too. And it might have been better than It than could have been. I, mean, I do enjoy Midas Touch. I don't think it's a beer I'd buy a case of, but it's certainly a beer you know, that I'd like to have one or two in my cellar yeah, absolutely. if I had one. And um, it's... Yeah, it's probably different. It almost certainly is different than, than, than what they drank, but it's made with the same ingredients, and it's an example of a beer of antiquity mm-hmm. uh, and a beer that doesn't follow Reinhardt's Kibbutz, doesn't use hops, but it's, by anyone's definition, should be considered a beer. Yeah, I'm not sure. Midas Touch might actually have hops in it. I'm not positive. I wouldn't 100% say that Midas Touch doesn't use hops. Wouldn't he have stuck as close to the original recipe as possible? Maybe. I'm not positive either way. We can look it up later. Come back to you in a future episode with the <laughs> details. Actually, go back to when we actually tasted Midas Touch. We probably knew it then. Mm. <laughs> We're old and stupid now. So what do you think about the sizer compared to... I don't want you to rank yet, but let's let's do some comparison okay. between these two. Because one was really sweet and thicker, and this one's thinner. And what's your impressions on the both? Do you... And this one is, is more wine-like to me. It's more... It has something of a vineous quality. I think that the apple cuts the, the honey... It does. It does relate more to a wine because of the fruit being used. Mm-hmm. However, I'm still getting this prominent apple flavor, and I would not confuse this with a wine. It's well, just, I'm not saying if you taste it side by side with the wine, you sure. would say okay. This well, when the you same. said it's a vinous quality, you see, I'm not getting anything like that. Really. When compared to to the other one, it, it it struck me as much more. It was almost like the, the first taste I had was, "Wow, this is this is this is wine." And I wouldn't have known it, since, since I would have taken, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mead first. And if you would just would have poured me this without telling me what it was, I would have thought it was wine until I had some more time to some Arbor Mist apple wine, some to, to digest it. <laughs> that delicious, folks. That is. You know, as I continue to taste, I get more. The apple's really coming through a lot more, but it, it's that significant of a difference that it it threw me off at first. I think I'm starting to get the honey in here now because I'm getting a flavor that. 
flavor that had the vanilla note from the first one. I'm tasting it in here now that I'm getting kind of used to the apples. Because before, I'm like, apple juice, apple juice, apple juice. I'm just tasting this apple juice. But it's almost gone. And I just took a sip and I tasted that vanilla thing. So I think I'm getting some of the character that the honey has provided. At least isolating at least one component of it. Now we all know what grains are. They are basically grasses. The fruiting body of grasses. Right. Uh, we know what apples and grapes are. They are fruits of various types. I think apples are droops, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, sure. Whereas grapes, I believe, are berries. Although I'm not sure about that. They might be droops, too. Fruits, seen, we have uh, the cereal grains, which are the fruits of, of, of grasses. These are the fru- These are actual botanical fruits. Mm-hmm. That are used uh, in wines, and then there is honey, which is something completely different. So honey is a food that's made by another organism. It's right. made by bees. It's basically food for their young, right. which has reconstituted pollen and other digestive juices from inside the bee. Right. It's delicious. <laughs> You could, if you wanted to be gross about it, describe it as bee vomit, I suppose. But it's bee vomit that their kids eat. I mean, so. But it's it's very tasty, and it's very sugary and sweet, and they get all that from flowering plants and other things like that. Well, it's uh, like milk nature. is to mammals is honey is to bees, right? Right. That's, except it tastes a lot better. Until it's made, in, unless it's made into cheese, then, then milk's better. <laughs> or if you put chocolate in it. I, all right so the third and final mead from rabbit's foot meadery is a pear mead this is one of their private reserves This one smells like it's higher in alcohol. This is 12% alcohol by volume. When I was out at the Great American Beer Fest, Greg, I went to a um, little reception called uh, Back to Your Roots. And it was a mead festival that was put on by some local area meaderies. Redstone Meadery is one of the meaderies in Boulder, Colorado. And this place is fantastic. Um, I don't know the full landscape of meaderies, but what I do know of it they are the Russian River or the Dogfish Head of Meaderies. Mm. So they're doing some crazy stuff. They they did a um, mead. They have a, a Christmas a cinnamon vanilla cinnamon mead they put out in the winter. It is fantastic. They have do these mountain honey wines. They're private reserves, and they're just they have a raspberry and a blueberry and just so much fruit in there. It's just so good. They did a um, a mead that was blend. They did a dry hopped mead. And they did a mead that was blended with waffle <laughs> How are those? Oh, well, the dry hop one was interesting. I mean, it was good, but I wouldn't say it was anything amazing. The the cinnamon mead, the the two honey wines, the blueberry and the raspberry honey wine, and the waffle meads are out of this world. This smells... These all look the same, by the way. They're all the same yellowish color. That smells like the... that's barrel-aged, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it smells... Almost, yeah, there's almost a little bit of oakiness coming from it. But really, it, it smells to me like a pear liqueur. Okay. 
high in alcohol, definitely pear aroma. Big time. They don't say anything about a barrel on it, but it is a private reserve. And when I smelled it, I smelled like a oak-aged beer-type flavor in here, aroma in here. Apparently there is spice in it. Oh, now I'm getting I'm getting the meat again. I'm getting that vanilla, that not quite vanilla, but it's that flavor that's consistent across all three of these. There's definitely some sort of vanilloid in there. And then a little bit of pear. The pears for me the pear's behind the the mead flavor, the vanilla wow. flavor. Now that That is good. Oh, that's hot. That's a lot hotter than the other ones. A lot more alcohol in the throat on that one. But the sweetness there is really cut in in a very fine way. I think it's holy. Oh yeah, this has. I think this has to be barrel aged because now I'm getting really vanilla, like vanilla bean vanilla or something like that. It's oh, that's great aftertaste. Like Jeff said, I mean, I think that take don't take as big a gulp. Take more of a sip this time. I think the the flavor of the pear. Cuts the honey even way better than the apple did, I think. Uh, I took one that time and I really swished it around my cheeks. And I got lots of bourbon. I think this mm-hmm. isn't a bourbon barrel. Tell me if you disagree. Swish it around. Are you getting like a significant bourbon flavor on this one? I'm getting something to that effect, yeah. Uh, there, there is a whole lot of, of alcohol warming here. It, it's evaporating like crazy in my mm-hmm. mouth. And, and that in, in itself just... Re, you know, it's, it's what bourbon yeah. is this, like. Okay, so I have found a new meadery that maybe all meaderies make awesome stuff like this. You know, I just haven't been exposed enough. But this uh, pear private reserve, there's so much going on here. We've just talked about. I've talked too much about the barrel. I've talked, to, but there's there's cinnamon, there's vanilla, there's um, what else am I tasting here? There's bits of other um, of other fruits in there. Banana, like think dried banana chips. Banana. I'm thinking even a little kiwi. Uh, I'm getting like the you know how like the banana chips, dried banana chips taste really sugary. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some of that in there. The, the the half apple, half mead was was interesting because the apple kind of hit a lot of the honey mm-hmm. uh, and, and overwhelmed it a bit. This. Like I said, it, I think the pear really goes so well with it. It just it, it brings the, the flavors together in a, in a much better fashion. Wow! See why it's a private reserve. This, this might have and to, it's only two dollars more than the apple one. This might have to be my first wow mead. <laughs> I'm just impressed by this. I it's really complex, and I liked like the regular straight sweet mead. I was enjoying it. I liked it better than I thought it would be. I was worried that it. Because I when I was at when I was at that mead fest thing, there were meads there from other places that just didn't hit me. They were just mm-hmm. eh, eh, eh. and there was other meaderies like Redstone who made good ones. And I don't recall any other names. I'm sorry, but these ones are all a step above what I had expected your average meadery right. to be. Uh, to a certain extent, I think you're going to grow. You can't drink more than three meads. <laughs> I don't know. I think you start you, your your taste buds start to grow accustomed to certain flavors, and they shut things out. Uh, and we notice that when we're tasting any flight of uh, similar beers as right. well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since these are particular, and these are also very strong. These are all, I think, twelve percent. The apple one may be less. Oops, sorry about that. 
turn the glass up on the side and let it go straight. Are you seeing like really like thick syrupy like drips? Absolutely. Yeah. It, as opposed to uh, beer, which can have the the lacing. The lacing. This is, this looks like it's a a syrup where it's kind of viscously running down the glass. It's really thin, and I touched it, and it's not sticky or anything. But it's not like running down the glass like water would. It's running down the glass like a thin syrup would. A bunch of little teardrops. That's pretty neat. So it must have a much higher surface tension. I guess it's ranking time. Unless you have anything else to, to impart. This reminds me of Christmas. Yeah, there, there's some flavors in there. There's, there's a nutmeg. Chestnut. Some nutmeg know. or chestnut in there. Right. Eggnogish almost in some way. Yeah. All those, all those Christmas spices. I think that can all be explained if this was put in a barrel. I think. Well, th- this the... is spice. They did say. Oh, okay. So I'm sure that was part of the deal. So I think my ranking is pretty easy. For for me, it's relatively. I'm easy pretty too. sure we're we're matched on this one. Uh, Meat of the night is the the private reserve pyramid. It's complex. It's it's like drinking. You know, just. I mean, if I was comparing a beer that has similar complexity to this one. I'm looking at like uh, oak aged barley wine, something like that, where it just it just gives and gives and gives. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how much flavors in this one. Um, These are all, by the way, 750 milliliter bottles. Share them. Oh, <laughs> they, absolutely. They are high alcohol. They are not um, sessionable. <laughs> no, no, there's no session meads. At least not that I found. For number two, the sweet mead. It was a. Uh, a lot of good flavors in there. Straight and I think sort of more of a typical, like, you know, you're, you're or a really good prototypical mead. And that jasmine flavor might have been some characters from the honey that was used, you know, from a clover honey or mm-hmm. whatever they used. I think that probably where it came from. And then I'm going to put the, the sizer number three. Um, it was thinner. It, it just tasted really apple And we've all had apple juice, and there was... For for me personally, there wasn't much beyond a good apple juice that, that that provided. I mean, a little bit, but not much. Right. I I will agree with your ranking. I think the pear one is that was the most complex at night, the one that really you know took me the most by surprise when I tasted, it, and I was like, whoa, that was that is really interesting. Uh, the second one, like I said, the sweet meat was just what I expect out of a mead. Your, your prototypical mead it was really very good, but it was meaty i mean it was honey mm-hmm. flavor uh but it had some of that you know it had some good after taste and some some really good stuff there so i enjoyed all three the the apple one was the most unmead like of them i suppose you could say and and the most and like i said the first thing i tasted was wine rather than uh-huh. apple or or honey as i got accustomed to you know as i got accustomed to it i could taste some more but it just didn't I would say that if you're going to get three of them, then yeah, you should try the the apple one. But if you're only going to get one, I'd get one of the pear or the or the sweet mead, something along those lines. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I can't wait till next time I go to Sunnyvale. I'll go into <laughs> Rabbit's Foot. I'm shaking some people's hands because uh, I am really impressed with tonight's show. I mean, I just enjoyed it a lot and. Uh, it's given me more confidence that uh, Redstone's not the only meadery that can make good mead mm-hmm. because I kind of had that impression before. And it, sure, it was unfair, but it's really helped me say, hey, there's other meaderies out there that don't make bleh type meads. And just it goes to show you what a great 
variety of beverages there are out there. We love talking about how wonderful beer is and how much variety you can get in beer, but wine is also a terrific beverage, and so are meads. And uh, I wouldn't be opposed to doing other shows on certain other alcoholic beverages. One-offs, obviously. Yeah. No, I mean, if we ever do a wine show, we're going to have to get a wine expert in here. Yeah. I've, I've always proposed to Jeff to do a sake show at some point. We might. Something along these lines. Just a, a, a more, a quicker show where we do just a few, just to get some flavors down. Introduce them to people who maybe... We could go to... We could take the mobile gear and go to Jimmy uh, Jimmy Jimmy Wang's Taipei and do a sake flight. Perhaps. Yeah. And because uh, I've had some very good sake. But... And we could have Mr. Uh, Wang guide us through that one, There too. you go. Oh, I'm going to set it up. All right. So thanks for joining us on, on this special episode Craft of Craft Mead Beer. Radio. Craft Mead Radio, Craft Beer Radio. We hope you enjoyed it, even though it was not exactly as well-researched as it could have been. Yeah, sorry about that. But at least it wasn't very long. No. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah from the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some people get a longer fuse. Some people's shoulders are big enough for the abuse. They never say what you can't hear